This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com and brought to you by the Arcola Co-op, offering fuel, food, and drinks on Highway 13. Arcola Co-op, you're at home here. We have our usual Friday look at this week in grain market moves. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacello tells us spring wheat and canola futures were on the decline this week, in part due to Hurricane Ida. Environment Canada Senior Climatologist David Phillips gives an outlook on winter weather. Earlier this week, he told us the fall would be milder, but wetter than normal. Real Agriculture discusses the wheat stem sawfly. We have a look at fruit and vegetable consumption and an update on cattle markets. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And Mazank Fuels, your local branded Petro-Canada wholesaler for over 40 years. Fill up the tank, call Mazank, 306-721-6667. Grain prices were moving down this week. Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial, Adam Pacallo, says Hurricane Ida has disrupted U.S. grain exports and prices have gone down. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front here, November canola declined approximately $23 a tonne. And December Minneapolis wheat down about 11 cents a bushel here. So, it seems that this week grain markets in general are are probing for a short-term low as really funds have been kind of pushing everything lower. There's been a, a severe slowdown in exports in the U.S. due to Hurricane Ida, and it seems that that's making traders a little bit nervous in one area. There is actually talk that two grain export elevators have taken some damage in the U.S. and some facilities might actually lack power for a couple weeks added kind of to that bearish tone. And I've actually even read that shipping might be stalled in a region that accounts for about two-thirds of U.S. grain and soy exports, which would really just back up supply quite quickly. And kind of looking at the soy market in particular, and again, how that affects the canola side of things, Stone X actually pegged U.S. soybean production at about 4.409 billion bushels with a yield of about 50.8 bushels per acre. So that is actually up from their August 1st forecast. So there's some precipitation as well, too, kind of in the next little while. And that's been really pushing kind of soy market it's lower and, and keeping them quite volatile. So canola has not been really able to kind of maintain above that $900 a ton and has been slipping a, a little bit here right now. Then on the Minneapolis wheat front here, Minneapolis wheat has been trading very sideways since about mid-June. And the number one thing that I'm really telling clients here for, for all these green markets is there needs to be another catalyst for markets to go to new new highs here. 
it does look like maybe a short-term low is in place for some of them for now, but that might only just be a bit of a bounce higher. There has been some weakness in the U.S. dollar uh, that has recently helped support. But overall, again, there needs to be a reason for kind of another leg higher in these grains. So with the fact that it's short-term problems with the U.S. exports, what's the outlook for next week and beyond? Well, again, traders will turn their attention back to kind of how everything is going harvest-wise. And so for right now, things have been really just improving as of late. Next week as well is a bit of a shorter week with Monday being a holiday in both Canada and the U.S., so uh, a long weekend there. And there is actually a few uh, crop reports coming up here in September that quite a few traders will be watching. On September 8th, there's going to be a, a stats can stocks report. September 10th, a USTA crop production report. September 14th, another stats can model-based report. And September 30th, another USDA report. So this will definitely be a jam-packed month with information coming out. Are you positive or negative on prices in the fall winter period? Looking out that far, I still believe that for certain grains that there's a bullish situation for. So for example, on the canola front, there everybody knows about kind of the drought this year and kind of what their crops look like. Now, StatsCan does come in around that, just above that 14 million tons, which might still be high. And, you know, if that comes out again lower, you know, next report coming this month, that could be, the, again, that catalyst to move things higher. On the Minneapolis wheat or the spring wheat front, now we've seen, you know, a very large rally from December of last year at $5.80 a bushel to 9.07 here. So might be running out of steam unless there's something, again, to push the markets higher. Adam Picallo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch Eavestroffs. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavestroffs.ca And Farmtronics in Regina, your farm electronics specialists. From moisture testers to security cameras, keeping your farm running productively and efficiently since 1977. 380 Henderson Drive. This winter's prairie weather is expected to be dominated by the La Nina event in the Pacific. Environment Canada senior climatologist David Phillips is hoping for normal weather despite an event that usually leads to colder temperatures and more snow. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you raise that. I mean, we still have the fall to deal with. I don't want to bring too much misery, but I'm not sure. Uh, the, the, uh, it's interesting, the, the winter. We have another La Nina now, La Nina, generally, you know, if you look at it for old timers, hey, this generally means a colder and snowier than normal winter. But, you know, La Ninas are not the same nowadays. We had last year was a La Nina winter. And boy, did you know it in February. That was the polar vortex. Two weeks of some of the coldest temperatures you've ever seen. But prior to that, Jim, and after that, it was rather balmy. It was rather open and soft. So, so again, we, you know, it's not just the El Ninos. Every El Nino is different. That's a different personality. Um, so we're saying, yes, La Nina. I, what I would hope for would be a normal winter. 
I mean, uh, one where you get some snow, but not enough to cause flooding issues of the spring, uh, enough to, to provide some good moisture and to, to cover any crops or, or, or prevent some, some serious damage with, uh, with frost, uh, depth of frost. Um, and, um, but, but not so bad that it's, uh, we, we, we know where we're living uh, in terms of the of the prairies. So my sense is that normal would be good, and my my thinking is that La Nina, um, in the past, they would have been tougher, but now they seem to be softer, more benign, less uh, uh, less wintry like to them. So my hope is that normal normal weather is what I'd always hope for, Jim. It's it's what uh, we we do everything based on normal conditions. And uh, if it's normal, I think there are fewer people get in problems with that. But so hey, so some maybe some wet a wetter fall and a, a normal kind of winter is where I put a few loonies on that. Do you have an outlook for next spring and summer? We don't. I mean, we we're we're clearly um, uh, there's really no value in it. Almost, uh, it's not something that even if you knew it, I mean, you just wouldn't have a confidence in enough to be able to to do things uh, with it. I mean, we're getting better, Jim. I mean, there's no question. It's not like the farmers' almanac. There are these are computer models, uh, the best science that you can put into them. Uh, but atmosphere is still holds the the trump card. Nature is hard to figure out sometimes hard to get precipitation right uh, tomorrow than than uh, you know 90 days or even two seasons from now but we know clearly that conditions have warmed up the seasons aren't what they used to be old-time farmers on the on Saskatchewan know that boy conditions are much milder now than they were when their grandparents were were farming the prairies and you know that Jim because of the crops that farmers grow I mean they're growing crops that that their grandparents would only currently dream of. I mean, think about pulses and 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 um, canola and and certainly types of grains and potatoes and and other kind of cash crops. I mean, these would just not have been possible uh, 30, uh, 30 years ago. So we know that conditions have warmed up. The growing season is warmer, more growing degree days. It allows farmers to grow these kinds of crops that wouldn't have been possible uh, years ago. But the challenge always is that variability, the wild swings. You know, if you could always really hope for milder temperatures and a little bit more precipitation than you normally would have, that would be utopia. I mean, that would be just music to farmers' ears. But, I mean, we don't, we know it's not that way. There's variability, the wild swings, where you go from one extreme to the other, seems to be what is cooked into the into the climate these days and that leaves more challenges to farmers is how to figure it out um, it's not it's almost like not normal anymore it's either one extreme to the other and then what's worse for farmers is you get these they can handle one dry year they can handle a, a wet this or that but they can't handle back to back to back it's those strings of, of mega droughts or mega uh, flooding that that can really really change the business uh, pattern or the business uh, component that that farmers deal with so hey it is always what it is you're 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 looking at that next horizon to see what weather's going to bring sometimes it gives you what you want other times it doesn't it's it's something that we talk about more than anything hard to figure out still it is still uh, the big science question is is how to get 
forecasts right uh, for the next day or two. That is always going to be a challenge. In some ways, Jim, I jokingly say this, that I, I hope that we never solve the weather uh, issue. I never hope that we will have a 100% accurate forecast. It would take the fun out of being a Canadian, I think. David Phillips is Senior Climatologist with Environment Canada. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. I have here with me Jeremy Boychin, who's Agronomy Research Extension Specialist with the Alberta Wheat and Barley Commissions. How is it? We are here today to talk about wheat stem sawfly. There uh, has been, so we, we, I mean, it's, it's scouting season. You're seeing lots of insects. It's a dry year. They're out and about. What, what are you seeing with wheat stem sawfly? Yeah, so this is the time of year where we're starting to see some of those wheat stems topple over from wheat stem sawfly. Uh, so wheat stem sawfly uh, is a pest that comes in on wheat, and we've seen based on forecasts, you know, it's it has a lot of pres- presence in the southern part of the province. Uh, so in that Claire's Home Nanton area, um, south to the southeastern part of the province and into the special areas. If you don't know whether you're in an area that has wheat stem sawfly, sawfly pressure, uh, take a look at the alberta.ca or prairie pest monitoring website so yes we're seeing uh, the impacts of wheat stem sawfly which they move into the wheat stem uh, they tunnel down the wheat stem and then near the end of the season they'll cut a little notch in that wheat stem and then we start to see those those wheat heads topple over and now you'll actually see that like quote-unquote sawdust in the stem correct after they cut it off yeah it's a great time of year to go and look at the impact that wheat stem sawfly is having on your fields at this point the wheat stem sawfly has burrowed into the stem and moved down to the bottom of that stem uh, and not put a little notch into the bottom of that stem and that's when we start to see that topple over uh, typically you'll see it more pressured in the outside of your fields but what you want to do is you want to go out and collect about 10 stems uh, at a multiple locations and split them open when you split them open you'll see frass like sawdust in there you might even find the wheat stem sawfly larvae in there Um, and then uh, you can determine what kind of pressure you're under so if you're at zero to two stems per 10 stems that you're a very low pressure Uh, if you're two to four then you're at moderate pressure if you're four plus per 10 stems then you're in the higher pressure area Um, and usually the recommendation is around 15 percent of the stems where you want to be thinking about using a solid stem variety and is there anything that can be done at this time of the year I mean, variety is going to be next year, but is there anything that can be done now? So while you're scouting, um, there's nothing really that can be done. However, while you're harvesting, uh, there is actually a beneficial that we want to consider when we're thinking about wheat stem sawfly, which is Bracon cephi. Uh, It actually lives in the wheat stem just above uh, the wheat stem sawfly. So when we're going out and we're cutting uh, or or harvesting the wheat crop, we want to think about making sure that we're maintaining that beneficial in the wheat stem. usually if we're cutting above about 15 centimeters um, from the ground up that stem uh, usually we're able to maintain that 
beneficial in there. So while you're harvesting, if you do see pressure, then you want to try and cut a little bit higher and it's going to help maintain that beneficial and it's going to help you later on. Um, next year is when you can start making decisions on better management, like selecting a variety that's solid stemmed. Um, right now with CWRS, there's not a ton of options. Um, they're semi-solid stem, but they don't provide that complete control, um, and you're still going to see some impacts. Um, you know, the other option is to switch to a Durham. Uh, there are solid stem variety options when it comes to Durham. Um, the one thing to think about when you are using a semi or solid stem is to go at a lower seeding rate than you would uh, with a non-solid stem. So in that 300 seeds per meter squared, that's where the research shows that you're going to get the most solid stem. Following that, um, you know, before seeding, you could do extra harrowing or more aggressive harrowing. Uh, the wheat stem sawfly lives in the stem uh, just above the surface. Uh, so if you do go through and harrow, and you do, if you did see pressure last year and you go through and harrow this year, um, you can do it a little bit more aggressively or do two passes uh, and potentially shuffle some of that stem up uh, and maybe uh, kill some of those wheat stem sawflies and reduce pressure. The other thing we want to think about is at harvest is if we are starting to see um, some of those stems lodging uh, is to potentially harvest a little bit early. Um, so before we start to lose that, that yield and quality uh, from those stems falling over. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Today, partly cloudy, wind northwest 30, gusting to 50, the high 22. The low plus 4, there is a risk of frost tonight. Saturday sunny, wind northwest 20, gusting to 40. The high 23 tomorrow, the low plus 5. Sunday sunny, the high 26, the low 11. Monday sunny, the high 23, the low 8. Tuesday sunny, the high 22, the low 7. Wednesday sunny, the high 23, the low 8. Thursday sunny, the high 24. Normal high is 20, the normal low is 6. The sun rose at 6.16 this morning. It sets at 7.39 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is Estevan again today for the second day in a row at 20 degrees. The cold spot up north Key Lake at 12. Once again, Estevan 20, Saskatoon 17, Swift Current 18, Weyburn 19, Yorkton is 18. Regina is partly cloudy and 19 degrees. That's 66 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the northwest at 27, gusting to 40. Humidity is 52%, the barometer falling 101.7. Partly cloudy in Moose Jaw 19, winds are from the west-northwest at 28, gusting to 37. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy in 19, that's 66 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. 
This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. 2021 is the International Year of Fruits and Vegetables, but according to a new study at Dalhousie, only about a third of Canadians are buying enough produce to match recommended amounts outlined in Canada's new food guide. Canada's food professor, Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, says the survey was quite interesting. As you recall, a couple of years ago, we saw a new food guide suggesting that half of our plates should be filled with veggies and and fruit. So we did brief uh, 10,000 Canadians on what this new food guide uh, was all about, just to remind them. And then we asked them, so are you consuming the recommended amount of produce <laughs> every day? And uh, the answer was underwhelming. Uh, it's less than a third of Canadians that actually uh, are, e- are eating uh, the recommended amount of produce uh, every single day. We weren't necessarily surprised, but uh, this was a self-reporting survey, so it may actually mean that the actual number is even lower than that. Charlebois says Saskatchewan is in the bottom five provinces for those who eat enough fruits and vegetables. He outlined some of the factors behind the reason Canadians do not eat enough fruit and vegetables. I think you can guess what the number one barrier is, and that's cost, which is really interesting, especially this year, because uh, I'm not sure if you knew this, but the produce is actually cheaper compared to last year. Uh, We're often called uh, by media and ask us why some of some of the food products are actually more expensive. Well, in, with, with produce, it's actually cheaper. It's the opposite. So, so it is the International Year of Fruits and Vegetables. And uh, so this has been a good year for produce. And that section of the grocery store has been very kind for, to, to consumers, especially consumers with, with a tight budget. And so that, but that's the number one barrier. The, the, the second barrier is, is work. When you buy carrots, cucumbers, tomatoes, uh, you have to clean them, you have to cut them, you have to dice them. Regardless of what you have to do, it, it requires work. And, and the other barrier that we found uh, in, in our surveys is, um, frankly, a lot of people just don't know what to do. That's Dr. Sylvain Charlebois at Dalhousie University. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com The cattle market has faced some challenges this year due to drought. Errol Anderson with ProMarket Communications in Calgary says there may be some softening of the market later this fall. Well, uh, you know, we, we've got uh, the, the Fed market right now is actually edging up. Um, the slaughter cattle are, are about a dollar fifty-five a pound, about uh, right at the feedlot for feedlot pickup. Uh, the cow market has been struggling, uh, and certainly it's because of the drought conditions and forced marketings. Uh, D1, D2 prices right now are about seventy-six and a half cents per pound, and I don't really see much movement in the cow market in through. 
um, September, but certainly in October we should start to recover. But in the fat market, though, box beef prices are starting to come back down. They have been rolling higher and higher, and the packer margins have been just enormous uh, over this. But right now, seasonally, uh, the demand for beef is starting to slip, so we may see a little bit of a pullback uh, near term. That's Errol Anderson at ProMarket Communications in Calgary. Cattle producers coping with severe drought and feed shortages are making tough decisions about culling, weaning, and cow management. Stacy Domalewski, Research and Innovation Coordinator with the Beef Cattle Research Council, says working with a nutritionist is the first step for farmers and ranchers to know what they have on hand for feed and how to cull accordingly. When it comes to culling, the first thing you should be thinking about is how much feed you have. So taking a feed test and getting that analyzed will help you to narrow down and decide what you need to keep for cows and what you need to consider culling. The other thing to think about is that cows with the ideal amount of fat cover, so a body condition score of 3.0, eat less and are easier to maintain through the winter and get rebred. So culling early helps keep the remainder of the herd that you're planning on keeping in good condition. When you're thinking of culling, a few other things to consider. Now is a good time to let go of any of the cattle that you may have let slide in previous calls, so check your records. Call anything that has a bad temperament that you've treated regularly for health issues or weans calves that performs below your herd benchmarks. This year might be the year as well to invest in preg checking your herd. Um, that investment will probably pay off and allow you to call any open or late calving cows. And then when it comes to calling, also consider calling any bulls that are perhaps a little older or producing less than desirable progeny based on what you have on record. When large numbers need to be culled from the herd, producers are often faced with the decision to sell their younger or older females. So when it comes to keeping heifers versus cows, there's trade-offs and deciding which you would prefer for your operation. So for example, heifers are probably introducing new genetics into your herd, whereas cows are more likely to be adapted to your specific environment and management practices. Heifers are more likely to stay in your herd a bit longer, but cows on the other hand have probably paid for themselves already with the calves that they've produced. Heifers eat less feed, but they require higher quality feed to allow them to grow and produce a healthy calf. And heifers are less likely to rebreed after the first calf if their nutrition is lacking compared to cows. And the other thing to consider is that heifers are more likely to require added labor and time at calving time. For producers considering early weaning, Domalewski reminds us that early weaned calves bring management challenges and producers may need to look at retaining ownership to get the most value out of the calves. That being said, Domalewski says there are benefits to weaning calves early in a drought. There's a lot of advantages to early weaning for your cow herd. So your cows are more likely to maintain that adequate body condition score when they're not producing milk. Um, ideal body condition scores linked to a number of things, including fewer calving problems, more cows getting rebred the next year. And there's even some evidence to suggest that cows that have their calf weaned early have larger calves the following year. It also causes reduced stress on the pasture and overall feed requirements because calves consume a significant amount of feed with their dams at this age. You can find out more drought resources at www.beefresearch.ca slash drought management. Back in a moment. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. 
market update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. And Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for Durham fell $18.37 again, down to seven thirty-five zero six. Canola rose two dollars and sixty cents at eight seventy-six fifty-two. Number one red spring wheat went up two dollars eighteen cents at three ninety-one fifty-six. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley three forty-nine sixty-five. Flax eight ninety-nine seventy-six. Lentils one thousand seventy-three dollars and fifty cents. Oats three fifty-three fifty-three. Yellow peas five hundred five dollars nineteen cents. Feed wheat two hundred sixty one dollars sixty five cents per metric ton. On the Minneapolis exchange this morning, hard red spring wheat for December gained six and a quarter cents at nine dollars five and three quarter cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, today's quotes. This is Jared Scholar here reporting from Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. We had late run of yearlings and cows and bulls this week. Highlights were we had 450 pounds. Charlotte steers bring 279. Cows and bulls were steady on the uprise market on the younger end of the cows for breeding. This here is Jared's call here reporting from Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And the latest report we have is from yesterday from Ham's Marketing. Ham sold 5,600 hogs Wednesday, selling in a range of 228 to 242 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 7,300 head, selling in a range of 224 to 239 per CKG. Ham's number one sows this week are selling in the range of 71 to 78 cents per pound live weight. Ham's cash hog price today is down, and four contract prices open mixed this morning. On Wednesday, the Canadian dollar was down eight basis points, with a daily exchange rate at 1.2617. The Canadian dollar is currently trading at 79.60 cents U.S. Daily U.S. cash prices are lower, with the Western Corn Belt down $2.32 U.S. 100 weight, and both national variants $1.46 lower relative to the previous day. When weekly base prices in U.S. dollars 100 weight are calculated later today, they will come in lower than the previous week and maintain the trend lower that started at the beginning of August. The net value of the pork cutout moved lower once again on the daily report, which it has done also since the beginning of August. All the primal cuts are off their highs, as is the net value of the carcass. But despite the move, individual cuts like loins, butts, and picnics remain amid record levels for the marketing week, as do bellies, which are at the second highest level on record. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by the Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families. In Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. NDP First Nations critic Betty Nippy Albright is calling on the province to stop the sell-off of Crown Land. Nippy Albright spoke alongside a delegation of traditional land users led by former FSIN chief Roland Crow. Crow was instrumental in signing the 1992 Treaty Land Entitlement Agreement between the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations and the federal and provincial governments. Crow and the NDP delegation is calling on the province to put a stop to the sale of lands encumbered by Treaty First Nations. 
He says it drives up the cost of land and affects all producers, hunters, gatherers, and future generations. Crow explains the land is encumbered by the 1930 transfer agreement and by the legislation of the Prairie Farm Rehabilitation Administration. He suggests it's being bought by foreign investors who want to extract the natural resources, but his message to these investors is the province doesn't have the right to sell it. Nippy Albright says Crown lands belong to everyone and are especially important for First Nations and Métis hunters and traditional land users who want to exercise their treaty and inherent rights. On the markets, the TSX is up 41 points at 20,836. The Dow has fallen 48 points at 35,395. Oil is down 59 cents at 69.40 a barrel. The Canadian dollar is up 28 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.93 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.